Okay, Lucas. Kingdom Hearts 4. Kingdom Hearts 4, let's talk about it. So, spoilers for those of you who haven't played through the Kingdom Hearts franchise. Immediate spoiler alert. Turn immediate off this podcast spoiler immediately. Alert. Yeah. Or just yeah, turn off this podcast and then play through all three Kingdom Hearts games as well as Chain of Memories, as well as the phone game and the web game and whatever else you need to play. Okay. Once you've done that, come back. Uh, you can now listen to the podcast. At the end of Kingdom Hearts 3, there's a secret cutscene. Do you know about this, Will? I'm sure that I read... Uh, well, okay, so... I definitely read they, the Wiki- I, I definitely they, read the Wikipedia summary. There's also like a five-hour YouTube video uh, that I that I watched. So yeah. I've tech. I'm sure I've technically seen yeah. it. Now is this? Is I, this what I'm about to say is in the trailer for the new one. So it's like right. if if you don't know, you already missed out. At the end of Kingdom Hearts three, hmm. there's a spoiler where Sora. They're like, "Where's Sora? Where did Sora go?" Yeah. Uh, and then it's revealed Sora not content with you know conquering the kingdoms of Disney. Uh, comes to our world and walks out in like Tokyo Plaza and it's mm-hmm. like oh my god there's Sora in the real world. Mm-hmm. I had assumed that was like a fun little Easter egg to like send off the series. You know Sora goes off into the sunset, aka our world. Little did I know that Sora was gonna be running around in Kingdom Hearts four and there's just like Kias that look like Kias and it's just like regular people that just look like regular people and then there's Sora running up running up the building. Um crazy stuff, Will. Crazy, crazy stuff. So now, you know, you've been to all these crazy Disney worlds. Who knows what's in Kingdom Hearts four? There could be a Nova Scotia level. Maybe. There could be <laughs> there could be a level where Sora meets his lovely friends from Elwood City Limits. The, the the sky is literally the limit, Will. Uh, so it's exciting stuff. I have to get a PS5 now, I guess. I need to take out a loan uh, or, you know, can you put things on layaway anymore? I got to do some sort of financing plan because Lord knows I can't just <laughs> buy a PS5 cash. No but way. I got to get one. What am I going to not play Kingdom Hearts for? Come on. Well, I mean, listen, they, uh, they took away Sora's clown shoes and I'm just like, no, I'm out. I can't do this anymore. <laughs> How dare you? No. I uh, Yeah, so, of course, as soon as it happened, I was like, this has to be addressed immediately because one of the one of the ongoing stories of Elwood City Limits and episodic the Episodic Arthur podcast is um, your gradual reintroduction into and then acceptance and embracing of the Kingdom Hearts <laughs> series. Yeah, I gotta say, you know, you mentioned watching a five-hour video. I've um, you know, seen three of those games to their completion, as well as watched many hour-long, you know, explainer videos, <laughs> and it's still kind of, you know, the big picture kind of eludes me to, to this day. Yeah. Uh, there was a part in Kingdom Hearts 3 where a guy shows up, and it's supposed to be this really big moment, and he, like, saves Sora's life, and me and my roommate were looking at each other like, who is this guy? And then when we Googled it, it was, like, from a web game that we never played, so... Mm. Uh, still still obtuse it, and confusing is it, is as it, ever. Is that Union Cross? My 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 knowledge of this is very is very spotty. By the way, the the video that I'm referencing is by a channel called Ask Your Uncle. Uh they've very very good videos. Um yeah, so you were one of the people that I I I think you beat me to it. So um but I did tell my other friends who are still uh wrapped up in the Kingdom Hearts chain of memories. And uh, well, I hope I hope it turn I hope it turns out well for everybody who is invested in that series. 
Yeah, jokes aside, I want to see like Sora hanging out with like Qui Gon Jinn. That's wow. what I'm hoping oh, yeah. for. Yeah, Gets- I want I want S- Sora and Babu Frick just chilling. Hey, hey. <laughs> yeah, we gotta get it. We gotta get a hey hey in there. Uh, hey hey yourself there, listener. Will Young here with Lucas Mancini. It's been a little while. I know we had we took a week off there and. Uh, not to be concerned. I mean, we put up the we put up the notice that uh, we were taking a week off, and that's what it was. We took a week off. I had my uh, my anniversary, so uh, my wife and I spent some time together, and I took some vacation off of every form of work, which was very nice. And Lucas, you are very busy these days, so we had to just call an off week, and I was pretty and I was pretty happy that we did. So uh, thank you very much for your patience. We appreciate you hanging in with us. I know that sometimes we kind of change things on the fly, uh, which we appreciate you kind of rolling with the punches with us. And we're back for this episode of Arthur and Elwood City Limits. And of course, uh, you know, a week absence, we've got quite a few emails to look after here and things rolling into Elwood City Limits at gmail.com, which is where you can send your emails, such as I'm always alerted when we get a new uh, podcast review, especially via Apple Podcasts. And we want to send a special shout out to Nick, uh, who had this to say on Apple Podcasts. I discovered this podcast a few months ago and I am hooked. Arthur's one of my childhood favorites. Will and Lucas break it. Uh, break it down in great, often hilarious detail. I listen during work, and y'all keep me laughing even during a tough day. Keep it up, guys. Sincerely, Nick, a loyal fan from the Midwest. Thank you very much, Nick, and thank you to everybody who has uh, reviewed us and who has said nice things to us and has recommended us because that's what's kept us going for... uh, We're coming up on six years. (laughs) 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 Um, Our first uh, email email comes from Maxwell, who says, thank you for putting together this amazing podcast. It's been so much fun for me to listen to you talk about Arthur episodes from my childhood that I haven't seen in 20 years, but somehow have completely memorized. My favorite thing about Arthur is just how weird it gets. There's so much strange and scary imagery from the show that is stuck in my mind for decades. Here's a couple of his favorites, Lucas. Um, DW as the donkey pulling the carriage. So that's that's from season one. Yeah, that... Oh, I, I I wonder what do we call it Lynchian? Did we call it Cronenbergian? I'm sure we should use some sort of shorthand. Surely, how messed up Donkey DW is. Uh, the bear and the chicken making out, which is uh, one of my favorite posts that I've ever done for the social media because it was a Twin Peaks reference that I'm very happy about, and like five other people liked, so that was fun. Uh, the stressed out Francine head launching into the air like a rocket. Binky building the cave diorama full of chickens. I don't remember that one. Or maybe we haven't seen it yet. Binky's entire hamburger nightmare. The lima beans can episode. Uh, Binky's evil twin who looks like Mr. Hyde. Shout out to uh, same pic of Binky's evil twin on Instagram. All the DW fan fiction episodes where she made up the stories for the Tibbles. Uh, the fish saying we must eat the land people. Which is still rather bone chilling. Uh, the episode where Arthur makes up the country song about the spotted elephants in space and Mr. Haney in the tiger trap with the peanut butter cup. Do you two have any fa- <laughs> any favorite weird Arthur moments? Uh, hmm. I would say, I mean, my go-to another season one moment is the long arm of the law. Yeah, you uh, love that one. The, yeah, I, I think it's just like, because not only do you, as a kid, it's really scary just because like, okay, it's a giant arm. Um, and then the arm is like going into a grinder. Um, and I don't know if it's just like the authority figures are all mad of Arthur and that's what makes it extra scary. And, and there's, there's something about it that's stuck with me all these years. 
the, uh, the, there's a good um, for me. There's a good database for this, which is the the episode picks for the shows. Now you probably don't see this if you're on a podcast app, but if you go on. If you go to elwoodcitylimits.libsyn.com or to our YouTube channel, you can see the pictures that we use for our episode pictures. And there's a couple, like, usually we pick out some of the weird ones. So, you know, right away, I'm just looking at the the cache I have of them right now. So there's uh, from the dinosaur episode, the dinosaur going, bye-bye now, <laughs> which, we <really laughs> laughed at, which we really laughed about. Uh, this is the commercial for a uh, golden delicious honey squids. There's this one where there's a cold open where Timmy Tibble, like his face transforms into like a jet engine. And it's really kind of upsetting to regard for a long time. And in fact, there there's Lucas, there's a really weird Arthur moment in this very episode we're going to talk about. Not, you know, to kind of set the stage for what we're getting into. We're going to get in some mm. weird stuff in this one. Uh, so thank you, Maxwell. There's, I mean, Arthur's got tons of these. Arthur can get really yeah. punchy when it wants to, and I lo- that's one of the things I love about it. I bring it. It seems like I bring up this episode, this this video rather on every episode. But if you just want a cavalcade of weird Arthur imagery, just look up Death Grips No Love No DW on YouTube, mm-hmm. and that's just five minutes of these moments back to back to back. Well, you said it again, so now I have to watch it again. Um, our next one comes in from Eric from New Jersey. Been listening to the podcast since December of last year. Finally caught up and binge-watching Arthur. It's always been a big part of me. I watch the show way past the target age. Well, so are we. So far, I've seen pretty much all the episodes from season 1 to 13. I've only seen a selection from season 14 and beyond. In my real life, I have the Arthur eating cake meme sticker on my laptop and the LPC and I like Pike pins. Uh, my favorite episode of the series is the ones that those are from. These stickers and pins are the ones most admirers of people see them. My question is, hypothetically, if you never created an Arthur podcast, yet still did the For the Kids podcast, which is our PBS Kids podcast we do on Patreon, what episode would you guys choose to review for Arthur? Would it be episodes you only remember from your childhood, like seasons one to six, or one from a later season? Have a great day. This is a good one. I was thinking, this like, I'm, I, I was thinking about this because I think that normally what happens with the shows that we review on for the kids, typically, you know, we start at the first one or something, or we start with like the most um, recognizable one, like one of the more popular ones. So it's true. It's you know, Arthur's eyes would probably be the one that we would gravitate towards because we would have both seen it as kids. But if if not if it, not it, that it's tricky one, though, because hmm. I have so much more of a familiarity with Arthur than I do with any of those other shows. Even before we started this prod- podcast, right? Yeah, yeah. I would like if you were to ask me, like, oh, Lucas, do you have a certain episode you want to watch of this show? I probably would have plucked one that I really remembered well from my childhood, like. Um, for instance, I don't remember what the episode's called, but the Buster Baxter went away and then he came back episode with Art Garfunkel. Like, that was before we started this podcast and started really rewatching Arthur, and so all of this is even more fresh in my head. That was an episode that had, like, stuck with me, uh, for years and years and years and years after watching it. And so mm-hmm. that would have been, like, I think about the episodes that before we started this podcast, you know, I really remembered well, you know, the, the Blizzard um, um, the one with Mr. Rogers, though, I don't think that would be the best Arthur showcase, really. Um, but yeah, like I think I would, I would try and push you to review Buster Baxter went away and he came back because I think that episode mm. kind of um, showcases, at least in my me- in my memory at the time, that episode kind of showcased how different and weird Arthur could get. 
I we also tend to ask our patrons for like, hey, which episode should we do? So I have a feeling. Um, I have I have a feeling that April 9th would probably be high on the on mm. the like considerations at least, if oh. if not the actual pick. You know what, Will? I just thought of it. Speaking of the audience, do you know what it would have been? It would have been the one where Arthur hits GW. If, oh, if we're, if we're thinking yeah. about if we're if we're thinking about clout, what's going to get us the most clout? Well, you know, one of the reasons we started this podcast was kind of the um, the return uh, of Arthur memes. Arthur memes kind of blowing up six yeah. years ago. Yeah, uh, and that was the big that was the big impetus for all the Arthur memes was the was the Arthur fist, and to this day. That is one of the most discussed, uh, most downloaded, and talked about uh, episodes of Elwood City Limits is the is the DW's. Was it called DW's Big Hit? What is Arth- it called? Arthur's Big Hit. Arthur's Big Hit. So that would probably be the one. Yeah. No. Okay. I think you're. I think you're right. I totally wasn't thinking of that at the time. But yeah, that's that. That would probably have to be the one. Our next one comes from Blake, who has two questions. Uh, like. Peanut Butter Gamer mentioned in the last episode of Arthur, we did not see the grown-up versions of the Brain, Grandma Thora, Arthur's parents, Baby Kate, and Pal. Is the reason that we did not see them because they're dead? What are your thoughts on this? No, I don't. Okay, we are we already kind of. I think we discussed this in the Patreon uh, kind of episode we did on the final Arthur episode. The only one of these that I think realistically might be is is dead is Pal, and that's just because. And look, I'm sorry to have to say that. It's just that like it's been too long, and otherwise he's like you know the desiccated husk of a still living dog. Everyone else, I'm sure they're fine. Okay, in fact, we have. The email after this one goes into a little bit of theorizing about where they ended up. But most of them, no, Blake, I don't think they're dead. I mean, Grandma Thora might be dead because of the same reason as Pal, Passage of Time. I I think we talked about it, and Grandma Thora, I think, would be older. Like, of course, there's a chance, but I think she'd be older, but not like, you know, (laughs) it, it wouldn't be unrealistic for her to still be alive. It's true, but it's it's. I think that one's fifty fifty. Will I think sure. that's wishful yeah, thinking yeah, yeah. on your part? Well, She's an elderly yeah. woman when when Arthur's a child. You well, know what I mean? Well, yeah. How many years later is it? Uh, it's like uh, <laughs> like fifteen or twenty. It's got to be like twenty because yeah, it was like, was four, I want to say it was like and then she's a like twelve or fifteen or something. Yeah, yeah. Um, oh, she could be dead. She uh, no, I'm, I'm. That's what I'm saying. It's like she could be. I choose to believe that she isn't. But it's like okay. So yeah. of those two, you know, of of those people, you got two. And don't forget, Blake. They also made mention to Kate still being alive. So true, I think true. I think I think PBG was just having some fun. So like Kate, Kate is the most likely to be alive. Of fact. course, of course. <laughs> so like you know, don't leap to death too quickly. Okay. Uh, second question. Since you watch different PBS shows, have you watched or heard of the show Odd Squad? This show is strange. Not surprised. Uh, one of the reasons that this show stood out for me is that it was really funny for a show made for four-year-olds. It was funnier than most shows for adults. Have you heard of the show before, or is it a blank memory? I've heard of it. I've never watched it. Yo, no, I'm not familiar with the Odd Squad whatsoever. So uh, could turn up on our Patreon show, but there's, there's a lot of shows. We'll have to wait and see. But thank you, Blake. Uh, last one comes from our patron, Vinny, very active in the Discord, is Vinny. Hey, so Vinny is talking about uh, loving everything lately with the Patreon and Discord. Got the thing the other day about the future lives that were missed in the final episode. I have a few ideas. For starters, 
Brain is most likely a famous scientist in traveling the world making new inventions. I would have preferred to see a news article about him that Binky reads, but you got be you got to get that wrestling reference in the weather report. Um, so let, maybe let's go through this with like likely or not likely. So Brain being okay. a famous scientist traveling the world, I'd say that's likely. I would say that's fairly likely. He is a gifted child. For Fern, with her love of writing and poetry, I think she definitely became a writer. I would actually like to believe that she wrote a book with Persimony Glitchett as she was very inspired to write poetry after reading some of his work. I'd say that's fairly likely. You know, her teaming up with, like, a beloved childhood author, you know, stranger things have happened. So I could see her being, like, the heir apparent to someone like that. My, uh, uh, My guess for Fern is that she became, like, a backpack style like intelligent rapper you know what i mean like uh, what's what's that guy's name asap uh aesop rock what what, the backpack music well there's look dude there's aesop rock there's asap rocky like no no very much more definitely more aesop rock than asap rocky but yeah fern becomes they, they take that poetry and they turn it into the lyrical poetry of the streets all right. Uh, well, that is an idea for sure. Um, we were sorry. I lost my place here. Sue Ellen, with her love of martial arts, definitely becomes a karate teacher. I believe she might have moved to Japan to learn more moves. It's possible she could have stayed in Elwood City. Yeah. I mean, Sue Ellen is well-traveled. Mm. I, I Yeah. I feel like I wonder if Sue Ellen be, becomes all traveled out by the time she's older if, or does she just become wanderlust and she like continues to travel the world, never really settling down in one place. Mm. Prunella is probably doing some sort of psychic reading, probably has her own business now, but I really don't see her doing much in the future. So, uh, <laughs> yeah, I don't so know. screw, screw I, her, I guess. <laughs> Listen, this isn't an indictment. You know, we need people to be civil servants to get things done in the world. But I see Prudella working at, you know, solid pension at the DMV or something. The Tibbles. And maybe are- she does psychic readings at her free time. Yeah, like a side a side hustle. The Tibbles are more than likely in jail. But if their future in portrait of the artist as a young Tibble is canon, then they probably are making art somewhere in the world. Hey, Porcuras Dose. Why can't they be both? <laughs> it's true. It's true. In fact, one might say that a criminal mind creates some of our most twisted, but also genius artists. Uh, I'd like to believe that Jenna is making stuff that helps kids with nocturnal enuresis so that they experience bedwetting less often, as she was very nervous about telling her friends about the condition. I I suppose. I mean, yeah. It, it, not to get not to get dark, but statistically, it means she could turn out to be. She's more likely to be a serial killer. Is that a fact? Yes, it is a fact. Serial killers are more likely to wet the bed. Keep your eye on Jenna, then. Emily probably (laughs) moved with her nanny to France along with her parents, and I think we know why. (laughs) Yeah, I mean, I feel like they would have done it already, but, I mean, Mm. stranger things have happened. For my final one... being Being like a diplomat. Yeah, yeah. She's got the... You know what? She's probably going to be bilingual by the time she's a teenager. Mm, mm. And if she keeps at that, could be. Uh... For my final one, I really wanted to see Carl in the finale, maybe co-owning the Sugar Bowl with George or possibly helping kids with Asperger syndrome. It really sucks that we don't get confirmation as to what everyone else in the main line of the cast does with their future selves, but I guess that's left up to our interpretation. So Carl is the co-owner of the Sugar Bowl. Would have been a good shout. That would have been actually pretty cool. And another thing I want to mention is that Binky's future was the one that didn't sit well with me. He had been this huge wrestling buff like me and had dreamed of actually being a wrestler. So it would have been nice to see him actually following his dream. 
Yeah, that would that would have been cool. Like, I, I think that would have fit him more than what we ended up with. But at the same time, maybe Binky, like, did a couple bumps and or maybe yeah. maybe he wrestled for like a couple years and had like a bad injury and had to like spin into something else, you know? Exactly. It's a hard business. He tears his quad, breaks his neck, uh, and then, you know, used to being a TV personality, he transitions into being a weatherman. I mean, we, we've seen the leap back and forth uh, from one to the other and from the opposite to the other way. So, yeah. Uh, interesting, interesting thoughts there, Vinny. Thank you. And thanks to everybody who emailed in, elwoodcitylimits at gmail.com. If you would like your email right on the air, if you just want to give us some feedback. I mentioned earlier, quick note here, that about the YouTube channel, and now I can officially tell you to go to youtube.com slash elwoodcitylimits. I'm going to have to up, I'm going to have to update the, uh, the crawl, the, um, you know, the little uh, advertisement in the middle of the show to include that because we got over 100 subscribers. And so that means custom channel URL. Thank you, everybody, for subscribing to the channel. Uh, really appreciate the positive feedback. I'm uploading uh, our episode backlog daily. And I did that. I scheduled it all through vacation, even though my computer crashed a couple of times. Uh, I did it all for you. So thank you very much. YouTube.com slash Elwood City Limits. If you would like your daily dose of ECL classic ECL content. And of course, we want to take a moment to thank our patrons over at patreon.com slash Elwood City Limits. Now, of course, um, our last For the Kids episode for the Kids PBS Kids podcast was one that uh, I think we previously talked about. It was about the 90s. uh, It was about the 90s series Ghostwriter, which we had an interesting time delving back into. It's a real relic of its time. Yeah, that one's, if you like the, remember the 90s? If you like us being like, remember the 90s? Check it out. And if you're not a patron, then you got a little taste of what our Patreon content is like last week when we took a break, when we uploaded our full episode of Sid the Science Kid, which if you haven't listened to it yet, it's one of it's one of our favorites. We get we get a little saucy on that one. We have some hot takes on Sid the Science Kid. Some, you know, and we got a little bit of disagreement from people who who do like the show for various reasons. And we appreciate that, too. We're just having a little fun at the expense of a a, a, a truly truly eye eye catching show I'll be kind and say but you can hear our full thoughts here on the free feed with that one but there are dozens and dozens more episodes just like it at patreon.com slash Elwood City Limits you can sign up for as little as a dollar a month but thank you to everybody who has supported us thus far including some new patrons uh, including Stanley Theodat Jenny Cardenas and Shayna Keegan we also have lovely patrons like Tyler Bozetsky, Rory Forever, Zara, and Ashley. We have Anthony Williams, Alex K, Joe Low Flow, Gabby S, Greenhouse Vinyls. We have Bob Yee and Sydney Long. And we also have uh, some classic patrons such as John Griswold, Ian Collis, Ross Ward, Stella and Froppy, Jake Bailey, Shayna Bennett, and let's say hmm, Yoshi. Yeah, Yoshi and Revd. Hey, thanks, everybody. And remember, if we haven't said your name in a while, feel free to just message me and be like, say my name on the next one. I'd be happy to. This is almost completely random. Okay, all that aside, it's time for us to talk about another episode of Arthur Nicked by a Name. Lucas, this is 
a very interesting beginning to the show. Very creative, I must say. It's true. Did it remind you of any previous Arthur episodes? Oh, um, off, okay, so off the top of my head, uh, there's the one where DW is... Where they're calling each other names, and yes. Arthur's like the 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 wizard on the cloud, the cloud with Dora Winifred, and it's like creating giant letters. Yes, I thought it was reminiscent of the weaponization of name calling present in the classic Arthur mm. episode, mm-hmm. uh, DW's name game, where in that episode we learn calling people bad names can be bad for their health, and so I was I was like, oh, this is like that other episode, and also. I think it also reminded me of it because, like you said, this opening is very visual, very creative. The way they they put all of the bad names in the environment and and use them as like a thing that can harm you. Um, it, it's reminiscent of all the crazy dream sequences from the end of that episode when DW goes to meet the thesaurus and all that stuff. Mm-hmm. You want to talk about weird Arthur imagery? That one's got it in spades. Um, that's true. Arthur melting. Oh my goodness. (laughs) Yeah. That's that. That'll stay with you. So yeah, Arthur's making his way through like a crumbling city made up of mean words. And like I said, really creative way with some of these, like some of them are like giant. And Arthur's talking about how, you know, sometimes words can really hurt. Sometimes there are words that can get under your skin and it like presents itself as a fly, like a butt, like a, like kind of a creepy crawly. And it's the word annoying. Or there is one that is more like a fly buzzing around and it's pest. Or later on, to end the cold open, Arthur falls into the word loser. So <laughs> very, very interesting way to put this across. Even though, like you said, they've uh, kind of done this a little bit before. It's, I mean, at least it didn't uh, ring any bells of recognition for me right away. So I think they did. I think they did quite enough different. So we start off the actual episode. The kids are practicing for a soccer game against Mighty Mountain. And I I feel like I haven't used this in a while. Arthur meme alert here. Now, we've gotten this a couple of times, especially on Twitter. It's in the the Giphy keyboard that you can use on Twitter. If you search up Arthur and you see the gif of Francine dancing in her soccer uniform, that's from this episode. Francine scores a goal, and then she does that little... She does that little dance, which I must say is pretty well animated. Like it looks, it it looks really cool. But we've used that. People have used that towards us, and it was cool to finally see where it's from. As far as sellies go, it's a pretty solid sellie. A sully? A sellie. It's a sellie. When you score a goal. Oh, oh, sorry. A sellie. Okay, I I understand. (laughs) I said no. Not it was not a reference to Captain Sully Sullenberger. Uh, proud hero who landed that plane in the Hudson River. Well, uh, well, uh, well, right. I, I was just like, uh, did Sully do that after he like landed the plane? Or <laughs> I don't know. I've never seen the movie, <laughs> so I guess not. Um, it's true. Did Sully ever Sully? It's kind of like a who's on first. <laughs> um, so yeah, Francine scores this goal while they're practicing. In fact, Brain coins the nickname Francine the Soccer Queen. Which, you know, it's a little long, but it works, fair enough. And she likes it, of course. And so Brain rattles off this nickname. And, in fact, he does another one when he gives Binky the nickname Tall Order, which is a yeah. which is a cool nickname. Well, it's a cool nickname if you want to be, like, a wrestler. But, I okay, let's get into what does a nickname really mean, Okay, Will? Because Tall Order 
is is that more syllables than binky wait binky 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 two syllables tall or dirt okay yeah three syllables it's just a little wordy when his name was already binky but i guess like is binky like his christian name like is binky short for something it already sounds like a nickname kind of i don't think so like i think i feel like we've asked I feel like the show has asked that question before, but mm. Lucas, this is this is a point that I oh okay apparently apparently that is not his real name, but I won't say I won't say it because I think that might be a spoiler uh, for another for another episode, or maybe we or maybe it's an episode we already did. I'm sorry, we've done like 14 seasons. Forgive me, I don't remember. I, I had a note earlier on or later on, I should say, where I was like, nicknames are generally supposed to be like shorter than the names that you're given Mm, you know mm, okay okay so i'm glad that wasn't just me like uh i i had also thought that was kind of the rule was that like the point of a nickname was to be more concise um as well as to you know refer to some part of the person's character to kind of be a funny joke or be like like calling a big guy tiny or something like that well Um, and, and of course this is this is general i think it depends on the context of the nickname for example and forgive me for bringing this up this is something that we've talked about before but you know when you talked about how one of your nicknames in school was lucas pucus now no, that, no, that that's it was, ju- it was just pucus. It was, replaced ju- oh, it was the, just the L. pucus. Yeah. Excuse me. <laughs> Thank you for breaking this up again. By the way, I'm sorry. That's the uh, only one I could no. think of. But it's true. But in fact, you know, my name is a nickname of my full name. My full name is mm. William, but people mm. call me Wills because it's just faster, and I think it sounds better personally. But you can also, you know, Bill and all that, all that sort of thing. So it really does depend. You know. You mentioned wrestling before, and a lot of wrestling nicknames are sometimes incredibly long. So they're not it's meant. True. For, they're not meant for brevity. <laughs> they're more of a title. Uh, yeah, yeah, and and the Tall Order is, is a great wrestling nickname. You're right, though. Wrestling nicknames are almost always longer. Like Hook's name is Hook, very short, very concise, and his nickname is the Cold Hearted Handsome Devil, which is like a sentence. It's like the name of an emo record or something. Like there's a lot of syllables there. You're absolutely right. That's a that's a fantastic example. Um anyway, yeah. So Binky or Binky gets the nickname Tall Order and he uses it in the sentence he orders George to to give him his juice. That's an order. A tall order. <laughs> so he's using it very well. So after Brain gives just kind of fires off these nicknames, he is reading up about marketing in the library, and this marketing thing <laughs> okay. is going to come back. Be- and the whole crux of this episode is that the kids are bothering Brain to give them nicknames like he did for Francine and Binky. So, you know, Buster... I, I, got, I got to talk about Brain reading about marketing. He's, <laughs> he says he's reading about marketing to boost sales at the ice cream shop. Right. Oh, and, 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 you, know, and, and you took marketing in school. This is perfect. I, I took public relations. It's close, but yeah, basically. Right, right. Um, yeah. But I gotta say, he is eight, right? Like, yeah. Why isn't his parents doing this? Like, I understand having him like help around the shop. Like, I know if it's like a family business, that's not like child labor or anything. I mean, it technically is, but it, it's socially acceptable. But now he's getting involved in like he's putting together like a strategic marketing plan. What is he gonna break up the smart board or whatever? Um, this just seemed a little bit far fetched. It made uh, brain seem like I was thinking about those Jaden Smith tweets that everybody was making fun of about how like oh you asked Jaden Smith to come hang out with you 
when you're little kids and he's like, I'm thinking about ideas and politics. I have no time to hang out with you, even though he's like eight or seven or whatever. Like there's those Jaden Smith tweets about him basically saying like, even when I was a kid, I, I was concerned with more uh, topical and, and highfalutin things than playing around with my friends. And I was like, man... It would be really annoying if you were eight and, like, your friend was like, yeah, I'm putting together a strategic communications plan. I uh, have been certain <laughs> – I've set my smart goals and I, I you know uh, – that, that it just tickled me that Brain is doing the marketing for his shop. His parents should be doing that. You're right. We've talked about how, like, does this constitute child labor and all this kind of stuff and how, you know, there's plenty of kids who have helped out at – you know, the bodega that their parents own, which I'm, I'm thinking of Ghostwriter, right? Right then, that literally happens. <laughs> but yeah, it's a little bit like, okay, but you don't need to do that much. But, you know, Brain can be a real go-getter sometimes. So throughout the episode, when Brain is thinking of nicknames to for characters, we go to this imaginary boardroom and Brain is selling the idea in his, you know, this very smooth kind of... Uh, He's not doing a different voice. It's just his delivery changes a little bit. And immediately I was like, this is a Mad Men parody. Like we like like <laughs> Mad Men's on TV right now. Like this is a Mad Men parody because he's using illustrations to get across. And like he even like when he's talking about the nickname for Buster, it's almost it's very similar to like the carousel scene from the first season of Mad Men of just like, what do we think of? Let me think of a bunny. You know, that that that's <laughs> very, very similar. Everybody has lollipops in their mouth because, of course, everybody's smoking on Mad Men. There's very jazzy music in the background. And so immediately I, I was clocking what was going on. And uh, it's just like, well, we had to get we had to get to Mad Men at some point. It was a it was a cultural touchstone for the beginning of the 2010s. Yeah, it's it's this is probably one of the first big parodies where it it's really speaking to what time this episode came out in that I wasn't familiar with, right? So what right. I'm saying is that like I, I had no idea that Arthur had ever tackled Mad Men. And it's kind of a exciting prospect because it's like, okay, what else are they gonna get to? Um Break, you know, we've seen Breaking our, Bad. Our, yeah, is there gonna be a Breaking Bad? We've seen like um Arthur Lost parodies and stuff like that. Like I wonder kind of what are gonna be the big cultural moments. Like is there gonna be an Arthur Avatar parody? Like I hope what's so. next? Arthur Westworld, maybe. Oh goodness, yeah. I'm trying to. I don't know. I don't. I'm not a big prestige TV watcher. Is there going to be an Arthur Girls parody? Oh, there could be. There could be. <laughs> I'll tell you what, though. We're not. We're not going to get an uh, uh, an Arthur Succession parody, which all the worse for it. We need to bring mm, Arthur back mm. so we can specifically do the Succession parody. Uh, so the nicknames Brain comes up with. He comes up with Bust a Gut Baxter for Buster. And for George, it's headgear, which, you know. Well, pretty good, actually. I liked, you liked I, headgear? I thought that was pretty inspired. Yeah, I liked headgear. Again, very wrestler-esque. I suppose. I thought that was that was one of the more, on the more insulting side. But, I mean, George <laughs> took it okay. So, in, in oh, that... just, just wait, uh, Will. We're going to, if you want insults, they're yeah. coming. Oh, absolutely. Um, and the thing is, is that Arthur keeps bothering Brain about a nickname. So after Brain comes up with a nickname for somebody, Arthur will be like, hey, what about me? And Brain's like, Ugh, like, I don't really have time right now. And Arthur keeps bugging him so much that eventually, you know, we go back to the boardroom in Brain's mind and he literally can't think of anything because, like, as, as when Arthur was just plain goose, there's not enough that really... 
or at least the show purports that there's not enough to separate Arthur as like a human being <laughs> as a person. So brain, just kind of gets frustrated with him asking and calls him average Arthur, which is where I had the, which is where I had the thing. Shouldn't a nickname be shorter than the full name? And usually when a nickname is longer than the full name, it's as an insult, which is what made me oh, think of good point, which is what made me think of Lucas Pucas. <laughs> this I like I, I love when the show makes a joke out of how Arthur is like true neutral like he's how the, he's he's um it, you know it makes him kind of shine as a protagonist that like the protagonist of the show is actually kind of the most unremarkable like milk toast character in the entire show with uh, of this like cast of characters of you know brains a genius Buster's the funny one Francine's the athlete, Muffy's rich, but at the end of the day, Arthur's just kind of a nice, normal guy, uh, but I like when the show pokes fun of that and is a little bit self-aware about that. Which is kind of funny, because, like, as you watch the show, you realize that, like, Arthur is, you know, you can distinguish him, but because it's, like, he's anxious, and he can be sometimes petty, so he's not, like, <laughs> he's not just, like, you know, complete blank slate or anything, but, yeah, compared to everybody else who can be easily caricatured, um, Arthur is just kind of a normal guy sometimes. Um, so, you, you know, Brain gives him the average Arthur nickname. And then eventually, we, this is where Brain learns about viral marketing. <laughs> 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 Which, of course, is where a, an idea catches on and spreads to other people. And we're used to it through, like, you know, memes are a form of viral marketing. Yeah, everybody was talking about that Morbius movie. People were like, Morbius, first movie to sell 69 trillion tickets. Gotta go see Morbius. It's Morbius season. Viral marketing. Morbius was on everybody's tongue uh, just a couple of weeks ago. So That's right. So I, too, want to be like Dr. Morbius. Dr. Michael Morbius. Um, yes, and so viral marketing rears its head when... Uh, Brain calls him Average Arthur, and, you know, I think it's, like, Binky finds it funny. And then Arthur's like, well, what if I called you something like Stinky Binky? And then it kind of rolls on from there. It's like, as everybody hears the nickname, as one person hears the nickname, then they get a new one. Somebody laughs at that one. They get a new one. So it's like, Stinky Binky. Buster gets Antenna Ears. Francine gets Bossy Boots. And all these mean nicknames that Brain inspires. And it ends up... Uh, taking them apart during the uh, Mighty Mountain mm-hmm. soccer game. So this is prescient. When did this episode come out? 2010, right? Yeah, we're at 2010 or so. 2010. This is six years before the Trump presidency. And <laughs> oh. we, see, we see this dark technique, okay, that Brain has come up with. This dark technique utilized to great success, not but six years later, by former President Donald J. Trump. You know... Average Arthur is very reminiscent of, let's say, Low Energy Jeb, mm. uh, you know, Lion Ted, Crooked Hillary, yeah. Sleepy Joe, you know what I mean? Yeah, this I this do. is something that not only does it work in the Arthur universe, it, it works in real life. Just look at uh, Kanye Pete Davidson. Skeet. It caught on. He just started calling him Skeet, and now everybody says it. It's, it's a dark power, Will, and, and people need to heed the advice from this Arthur episode because I got to say, I haven't stopped laugh, laughing at Stinky Binky since I first heard it. it it's, it's really 
these things, for lack of a better term, they stick. These nicknames catch on, and it's hard to shake them once they've, they've you know, once you've been had one bestowed upon you. As much as I hate to admit it, that is that is a very very good point. So you're right, prescient in its in its own little way, and. Brain has a nightmare that night where we get we go back to we briefly go back to this idea of the brain being a salesman and he has a nightmare about how these nicknames have affected his friends. Now this this is weird Arthur. So so Brain gets locked in a room by one of the ad executives. I should mention also um there when Brain has the imagination that he can't come up with something for Arthur. He the, one of the ad executives who's a frog says that he's been replaced by the new ad man Tom Taper. Which at that point it's undeniable like Mad Men parody. Anyway, Brain in this nightmare gets locked in this room. And Francine, Buster, and Binky are in here, and they all have representations of their names. So Stinky Binky. Binky is, like, hovering in midair, like, surrounded by a green stink cloud, essentially. But it's, like, I just, I wasn't expecting, like, I didn't know what to expect, of course. But it's just, like, he's hovering, like, I... It, it, it's so it's hard to describe because he's got this strange affectation to his speech. Like he sounds very like distant. He almost sounds like mm. it's his mutant power or something. He's just like, "Oh, you called me Stinky Binky," and it's like he, it's like he, it's like he's like a weird X Man or something. And then this, this literally like I like my mouth was open at the next one. Francine comes into frame, but it's not Francine. It's Francine is this is a giant boot because she was bossy. Yeah, she's, she's like a Timbaland. Like she's <laughs> it, it's a Timbaland that has like an opening for a mouth and Francine's haircut and voice. It's but no eyes. No, no eyes. Well, it's like button eyes or something. It's really upsetting. Like it was really hard to look at. I'm not kidding. Well, and then Buster's just, like, TV head. Well, and this, this reminded me of, if anybody has read the comic book Saga, it's... Uh, yes. Yeah. So Buster has a TV on his head. It's Buster's body, and then a TV for a head. But then the whole Buster is, like, trapped inside the TV. And it's just like, look at what you did did to him. It's just like... I'm Buster. My name's Buster Baxter. And he's like trapped in the TV. It's just really surreal. And like, it, it, oh it's my like God. Those, uh, it's very like creepy pasta. Like it's like they're a bunch of like SCP monsters or like bosses from that game Control or something. <laughs> yeah, you know what? Yeah, the t- especially the TV had one. I could definitely see you uh, taking on that in the oldest house. Um and then Brain wakes up. It was just... Oh, before Brain wakes up, this is the icing on the cake yeah. for this horrible situation. Brain turns into a brain. And it's uh, it's the version of him that we've seen before, like, mm-hmm. in, in older episodes when, like, his brain is giving him bad advice and has, like, the little squeaky voice. Yes. Uh, uh, it's it, He kind of turns into that representation of his brain. But it's like, yeah, everyone's become their nicknames to, to horrifying results. Yeah, it was strange to see that specific callback again i mean not that we're not used to callbacks but just like oh i didn't expect to see it. i almost expected something even more horrifying somehow but yeah it was just you you really you really can truly never predict when arthur's gonna take that left turn and just go into crazy town 
but we did. And it, this episode is all the more memorable for it. So Brain has this nightmare and everybody's not on the same page when they have their game against Mighty Mountain because they keep uh, using their mean nicknames and it ends up being distracting on the field when they're supposed to be like, you know, used used in uh, a way to both motivate and call out to everybody. So instead, in a huddle, Brain introduces cool soccer nicknames to get everyone on the same page. Uh, this was kind of depressing when the thing that gives him this idea is he's like, you can't, first of all, he says you can't stop a virus because he's talking about it going viral. And I was like, oh, brain, don't tell me that. <laughs> but then he was like, the only way to stop it is to introduce a new virus. And so that's how he comes up with giving them cool new soccer themed nicknames. He's like, I, I mean, I guess, I, I suppose. But yeah, exactly. So they become the goal getters. There's awesome action aardvark which is kind of trying too hard, in my opinion. Uh, Barnes Stormer, which is also a great wrestling nickname, and Eat My Dust Buster. And uh, the th- this motivates them enough to win the game against Mighty Mountain, and they uh, learn a lesson about about nicknames. It's just like, I was like, all right, I guess, I guess they turned it around. So there you go. And now a word from us kids. This one also has to do with uh, names and nicknames. The kids in the town of Braintree, Massachusetts, are finding out how things in the town got its name, like the town itself and the school they go to and a nearby river. Now, Lucas, I've always wondered why it's called Braintree, so I found this kind of interesting. See, I was not familiar with Braintree, Massachusetts, but I got to say my favorite line from all of this is because first they learn about the town. And it turns out it's like it's based off the name of a place in England. Hmm. Um, that's kind of like changed pronunciations over over the eras or whatever. Uh, sort of a lost in translation kind of thing. Uh, and one of the kids goes, "It's not even about brains or trees. It's a town in England." <laughs> well, yeah, I bet that's a common misconception of just like, well, it must have to do with like, you know, it, and and they're just like, is there a part of a tree called a brain? Like, well, no. So and then it had just. It has nothing to do with either. It's just a kind of weird mispronunciation that ended up catching on in a big way. And they also get uh, an indigenous educator to come in and talk about the name origin of the local river, which I thought was really cool. Yeah, cool. And, you know, ahead of its time in a way. I mean, 2010 wasn't that long ago, but it was still 10 years ago. But it's only now, you know, in our area, we have a lot of things that are named after the original uh, Mi'kmaq words. Mm, uh, yes. And, you know, as I say that, we still have the Mi'kmaq Mall. Yeah. Right? So uh, these are some lessons that are still trying to be learned and kind of uh, adjusted uh, even today. Yeah, we're uh, we, we've only come so far. We still have... We still have some more to go. All right, so we're going to get into the second part of this Arthur episode right after this. Hey, everybody, it's Lucas from the Elwood City Limits podcast. And if you love ECL, there's a couple of ways to keep up with us. You could go to facebook.com slash Elwood City Limits at ECL podcast. That's our Twitter. We take questions on Tumblr. It's elwoodcitylimits.tumblr.com. There is an Instagram as well, Elwood City Limits on Instagram. Of course, if you want to donate to the show and get exclusive content, whether that's our full-length commentary of the Arthur movies, our brand-new 
new uh, bi-weekly PBS Kids review show, as well as our video game movie reviews with the Sonic movie review and Pikachu movie review. You can check out patreon.com slash Elwood City Limits. Uh, and that's also going to get you access to the Elwood City Limits Discord, which me and Will like to post in from time to time. And if you want that sweet, sweet Elwood City Limits merch, check out teespring.com slash stores slash Elwood hyphen city hyphen limits hyphen store. You can listen to the podcast at libsyn.com slash Elwood City Limits, Spotify, Apple Podcasts, and there's other podcast apps like Stitcher. And if we're not on your favorite app, let us know. And where can you let us know? Well, that's going to be at ElwoodCityLimits at gmail.com. That's also where you can send us a question and we'll read it on the show. Finally, if you want to support the podcast, the best way to do so is to tell a friend who likes animation or Arthur or just podcasts in general and to go to our iTunes page and rate us out of five stars. Apparently, that helps podcasts out. Bye, everybody. The play is the thing, not in which you'll catch the conscience of the king, but the pl- the play, the the act is the thing. I I mean, you'll understand better when we when we actually get into this. Um, not much to say about this cold open. It's just about Buster finding a website where you can see how an object will age. So you take a picture of something. And you can like put ahead the counter to like a month or a year, and it'll show you how it will age pretty accurately too. Knowing uh, how these websites work these days, this website is absolutely just facial scanning our uh, Buster and Biggie uh, to be used by like the NSA or like the Chinese government or something. They're just like that's all. All that data is going in the database. Oh sure, especially because like it relies on user submissions. And we're, yeah. when we're still at the point where it's like, I, I know that for most of this episode, Muffy has what is the equivalent of a, uh, the 2010s equivalent of a smartphone. But, you know, Buster's using like a digital camera with a firewire hookup to his, uh, to his computer. The actual episode has to do with Muffy's new, I think I got this name right, My Smartphony, um, <laughs> where, which has captivated the kids around the playground. So it's, you know, it, it's the first time that you, you got your own smartphone, your own iPhone or Android phone or whatever, and you were, you know, you were you were playing Snake. You were like fooling yeah. around with the settings. You were using the world clock. You know, yeah. you were you were just enamored with all of these these unbelievable new settings and things you could do. You, you get that beer app that has zero utility. Yeah, and it's literally just you tilt the phone and it looks like you're drinking a drink. Or you get the lightsaber app and you go, whoop, yeah, whoop, whoop, yeah. and it's like, oh, cool. And this leaves the tough customers feeling a little ignored. And <laughs> the, it, right around right around the time when Rattles has created a shirt for the tough customers, tough customers merchandise. But I was unfortunately, just say, the, the tough customers merch get that on Redbubble. Which unfortunately, uh, he does not. He, he it takes a little bit of time for him to get this right. It, he wants it to say the customer is always right, which excellent slogan for the tough customers. But it says, the costumer is always right, because he misspelled it. Uh, also, quick reminder here that we he only says, like, maybe two or three lines. But the voice of Slink, who is the uh, the uh, bunny rabbit with the uh, the black shirt with the orange lightning bolt, that's Michael Yarmish, the original voice of Arthur. I didn't notice. I didn't. And was it always Michael Yarmish, or has it changed? 
it wasn't him to begin with because, of course, that character mm. showed up while Michael Yarmish was still Arthur. But around, like, not long before this season, he hmm. he just quietly took up that role. Uh, it, it doesn't, like, I don't think you'd be able to, like, sound it out that it's Arthur, but just wanted to remind everybody that that's... That's that's who that is. Um, Muffy has this. Uh, one of her new apps is is actually pretty funny. It's an app that can determine uh, the smell, the scent of something. Somehow, who knows? Uh, a lot of like app based humor in this one, and so it determines that Buster smells like pickles and sweat. Mm, she utilizes this. This is one of the reasons why the tough customers feel kind of slighted by this newfound phone uh, and no one paying attention to them. Buster's about to open a pizza box. He's going to fall for a trap. But before he can, this is actually pretty silly. Uh, because before he can, they kneeled. It's a trap laid by the tough customers to get them with water balloons. But Buster and Muffy still kind of kneel down above the pizza box long enough for her to scan it to realize that there's no smell of pizza. And then they walk away. And it's like, I mean, you guys could have just hit them with water balloons that whole time. But I guess, like... What this is is, and this is something we have to deal with, Will. This is the world we live in. The tough customers don't want a lawsuit on their hands, and if they destroy yes. Muffy's phone, you know they have to. They're they're liable for those damages, and this is something we've lost as a society. You know, you used to be able to push someone who's wearing a full outfit of clothes into the swimming pool with their clothes on, and it was just a good bit of fun. It was just a it was just a good laugh. You know, yeah, they're a little bit wet for a while, but then they'll dry off, and you're just making happy memories. Everybody jumps in the pool, whatever. Nowadays, you're on the hook for eight hundred dollars minimum if you push someone in the pool. At, at best the t- the two people i know that are pro pushing people into a pool are you and vince mcmahon so like i don't know it doesn't really translate for me i'm not i'm not too sad about losing that particular part of life pushing people into a pool used to be a cultural institution damn it oh well I'm sorry, Lucas. I I, the, the, I I don't I don't I don't recognize this world we're living in anymore, Will. <laughs> <laughs> um, there's a great line that Buster gets when he realizes that like the tough customers are trying to pull something on them. He he looks up and he says, "You're a cruel boy, Binky Barnes." Mm. <laughs> it's, it's really like official sounding. Um, and maybe this maybe this is an answer to you. It's like. They don't throw the they don't throw the balloons because of course Muffy threatens to sue, but then later on, uh, ap- like after the kids clear out, Molly just kind of says, "I don't know, Binky, it's too easy. I enjoy the chase when it comes to <laughs> bullying kids. So the chase isn't there anymore, and all of the thrill has gone out of bullying. It seems that the tough customers might just completely disband." Uh, Binky gets a stay of execution. He wants to see if he can get the kids back to the playground where they can go back to bullying them, which is like, <laughs> all right, this is this is already a little weird, but I'll go, I'll go with it. So I, I, I like that, like, the conceit here is that the tough customers are Luddites. You know, they haven't kept updated with the times. They haven't discovered cyberbullying yet, which is really where the bullying's at these days. Um, they're still trying to do their classic, like, 1980s wedgie-style bullying, uh, which in real life, as in this cartoon, has run out of fashion. And now they're, you know, time has passed them by. Well, you've said before, especially with, like, Molly, that they're, you know, fashion-wise and perhaps in many other ways, they are stuck in the past. 
So mm, true. it makes sense that their methods would be as well. Um, so Binky is trying to fix the situation before the tough customers break up at the end of the week. And this somehow leads to him ending up in a business venture with Muffy, who decides to make the playground, the you know, the school playground, into an amusement park. <laughs> This is, this is, I, I kind of like checked out for a second and then like I re-engaged once I saw everybody working on the playground, like it was an amusement park. And I, I felt like I had lost the plot a little bit. I was like, wait a minute, what's going on? Why are they doing yeah, this? Yeah, yeah. How, how did this, how did Mr. Handy sign off on this? Though they do address that later on. But yes, the tough customers are now employees at a for-profit amusement park uh, in the back of the school playground. Right. So, and on the and on the way to this, uh, like Binky meets Muffy at her place, where she is using another app, a different app that tells her what she's in the mood to eat. Which, dude, like, the, like the joke of that is, is like, oh, you need an app to decide what you want to do. If I had an app that tells me what I want to eat, sold, <laughs> sold. That's one that of my one biggest problems you, you- in the day. What was that one where you would shake it and it would give you a restaurant? That was an early iPhone app. I can't remember uh, what it was called. But it was like one where it was like you would shake it and it'd be like, eat here. Oh, I've never heard of that one. But that, but again, it's just like, okay, like I just need some direction. You know, <laughs> I've got options for breakfast, but I can't pick one. Tell me what, tell me what I want to eat. What am I hungry for? Um, and B- Binky tries, tries to get her to go back on the playground and therefore bring everybody with her. Uh, and she says, crosswires cannot be bribed, at least not for that little. You know, Binky helps her with these negotiations, and, uh, you know, they do a whole pitch presentation to Mr. Haney, and she's got, like, the poster board, and she's got the mock-ups and everything, and Binky's role in the negotiations is playing music? Like, he just, at one point, he, like, takes out his clarinet and just starts playing, and then Mr. Haney becomes more agreeable. I'd love to see someone use this on Dragon's Den. You know, some Mr. Wonderful is not interested. Then they start playing the the clarinet, and he's like, "I love this guy. Let's let's. I'm in." Um, the connective tissue between these two episodes that you know how in the early seasons there would always be kind of like a weird kind of slight thing the two episodes had in common. Like they wouldn't be about the same theme, but there would be some weird kind of connecting uh, element. In this one, it's it's doing a presentation. Oh, with a yeah. big whiteboard, big piece of like presentation paper. Yeah, you're right. That's a that's a good one. You're all, you're always better at uh, at uh, finding those connections than I am. It just never occurs to me in the moment. Uh, <laughs> the, so uh, Mr. Haney eventually agrees to this, frankly ridiculous plan. But you know, whatever. We keep the episode going. Uh, there's a point where Muffy uses her uh, her smell app. Uh, which determines that Binky smells like dirty toes and unwashed ears, to which Muffy says, eh, take a bath. Just just some friendly advice. So yeah, like, like you said, uh, Muffy enlists the tough customers who are not really doing anything to work in her new amusement park, which is just the rides at the playground that are modified to be closer to amusement park rides, but they still kind of suck. Like, like there's a, like there's a haunted house, which is just rattles inside of a like curtained off area with a flashlight under his chin, uh, wearing a t-shirt that says the, the customer is always rigged, rigged. Yeah. <laughs> or rigged as, as Arthur pronounces it. And there's like the, there's like a slide 
that is like just that makes Buster barf because it's like such a wobbly experience. There's there's another slide where it's like you get pelted with water balloons as you go down. And there's a running gag throughout the episode that George is like constantly picked on by the tough customers to the point where he's so used to having water balloons thrown on him that he just brings an umbrella with him wherever he goes. So he goes down the slide with his umbrella. <laughs> but the thing behind this whole th- venture is that Muffy is asking everyone to pay for admission to the playground. $3 <laughs> per ticket. And this is what causes Principal Haney to shut her down because the school is a not-for-profit administration. Yes, based Mr. Haney. I mean, not so based <laughs> that he agreed to this in the first place. Like, he should have known better. Uh, but I was thinking to myself, how did the school board ever allow this? How, how could Mr. Haney let this happen? Uh, this is not egalitarian. This is not equitable. This d- spits in the face of everything public education stands for. And then, of course, Mr. Haney comes in and sets it all right by saying this is a public nonprofit institution. You cannot do this. You cannot charge for this uh, <laughs> playground equipment that our taxpaying dollars paid for. This was another episode conclusion where I was like looking at at the time at the at the time bar and I was like, uh, guys, we're almost done here. We got to start wrapping up. What's going on? And it didn't seem like we were where it's just like the tough customers are like, I guess we're done here. And Binky's like, yeah, I guess we are. And he tries and he's like talking with George on the seesaw about like the good old days of kids being on the playground. And then out of nowhere, George decides to take the initiative and play tag with Binky which is what causes all the kids to come back to the playground and gives the tough customers their renewed lease on life. Like it brings things back to the natural order such as it is. Even Muffy puts her phone down to play tag. And, you know, now that I'd like say it out loud, it really seems like it's like an older person being like, oh, like it's cause you be on that phone kind of thing. Mm, you know, mm, it's and mm. I'm just like, ugh, mm. it makes me feel kind of yucky honestly it reminds you of those cringy images back in the day of like people would put stickers on the playground that say not available in the app store that kind of biting biting social commentary will do you get it do you get it i think i think so i think so (laughs) there's that there's that slam poet if anybody wants to know what kind of vibe this whole thing gives off I don't know what to Google to bring this up, but there's an old video of this guy doing, like, slam poetry, and he's like, iPhones, keep your eyes closed. Like, his whole shtick is basically this, where he's, like, talking about, like, people will have each other on Facebook, but they won't see each other face-to-face. Just the most obvious kind of social criticism of the online world uh, that you could muster. If anybody can track that down, uh, that's basically what this Arthur episode's getting at. Or those like um, the, those those hacky paintings from a few years ago where it's just like... Oh, yeah. Like, Want to be Banksies. Yeah, or like, ri- or like rip-off Banksies or whatever they are of just like, oh, oh the, like the, the kid's on his phone but like a, the giant lock around his neck because it's like a, it's good. It's, it's <laughs> bringing him down to the ground you know exactly what i'm talking about it sucks not to, not to color that episode anyway we're, we're backing up to the beginning here let's first talk about nicked by a name uh lucas how did this one strike you i loved nicked by name you, actually you, you loved i it. loved it I loved it. I was entertained throughout. I would go as far as to say this this is my favorite brain episode of all time. Uh, I don't know. Maybe I was getting too much enjoyment out of all of the Arthur characters insulting each other in the third act. Uh, But 
I I I was taken aback by the Mad Men parody. I thought this episode was really th- funny throughout. I liked hearing everybody's kind of earnest, like nice nicknames, and then I loved hearing everybody's mean nicknames. And then I actually kind of really did. As, as silly as the conclusion is, it's kind of a non-climax where they're just like, "Why don't we just go back to calling each other nice stuff?" And then it ends. I did like the joke of the Mighty Mountain team is at first reveling in all their nicknames. Like, not only are the kids calling each other bad nicknames like i think some of the mighty mountain people do uh and then kind of the mighty mountain team is just kind of confused once they all start being nice to each other one of them says you guys gonna stand around calling each other nice names all day um so yeah i i i don't know something about this episode i found throughfully entertaining what about you will throughfully entertaining um no love is certainly a bit stronger but i I appreciate I appreciated it. I especially liked, you know, we talked I talked about it before how punchy it is. Like it's and when I say punchy, what I mean is that it's off the beaten path. It's a little unlike your typical Arthur episode. You know, the, of course there's the nicknames, there's the Mad Men parody, there's the genuinely upsetting brain nightmare. It's, there's just a a strange sense of the fact that we're making an episode about like nicknames and it's not so much you know because we've done episodes before where it's like arthur and dw call each other mean nicknames and realize that it's bad it's just like this is worn territory and we're kind of doing the same thing but we're also like we're, we're, we're like mumbling it a little bit so it just comes out a bit stranger and a bit like l- less fully formed and in a way i kind of like that better <laughs> Because it is, because it is just a, a it, and it's very creative. When I say strange, like I mean that in a good way. It's very creative with a lot of the imagery that it uses. It's memorable, and so I wouldn't say that I loved it, but I certainly like it, and I definitely respect what it was going for. So, mm. and what I appreciate so far about season fourteen is that even if we don't like the episodes, they tend to be memorable, which is really. That's almost I'd almost prefer that to having just straight episodes that I love back to back. Just just make me remember them cuz after four, you know 6 years of doing this 14 seasons like I said earlier, we just tend to forget stuff. So Yeah. So you know, make this an episode that I'll remember especially when we go back and do our season recap. That it's really helpful and just helps stick in your mind. I, I won't be forgetting Binky trapped in a stink cloud anytime soon. Oh, dude, I'm, I'm going to be haunted by Shoe uh, Francine. Uh, that's going to be in my mind for a very, very long time. What probably isn't going to be in my mind for a very long time is The Play's The Thing, which, boy, like, even that title is really, like, tortured. Um, I... I didn't dislike this. There are a couple of things about this that I like. There's there's some funny lines in here. I I love any episode. I love it when any episode is focused around the tough customers specifically. I just think that they're great characters, and I appreciate when they get the spotlight. Um, but yeah, when we ended up talking about it here, it made me realize that like, oh, this is kind of like not, um. This is this is this is not exactly going the way that I thought it was going to go, and it's a little bit like, mm. I mean, I said it before. It's like it's because you be on that phone. I'm just like, ew, really? <laughs> we're do- we're doing this? Okay. So I don't know. I I certainly didn't dislike it, but I'm very much at least lukewarm on it. You know? 
Mm. The play is the thing is one of those episodes where I enjoyed watching it. I found it entertaining, but as we you know overthink it, like our it's our job to do and break it apart. I found it thematically confused. This is what I mean by that. Is it started off so strong? I love the idea of the tough customers losing their power because their power was all in how they're perceived by the other kids. If the other kids aren't intimidated, none of their intimidation tactics actually work because they never actually do anything that bad. So it's this delicate dance of, you know, the tough customers are scary because the other kids believe they were scary. And that's Mm -hmm. where I thought the episode was going. But then it kind of turned into they be on that phone. And and I feel like this episode's trying to do two, three things at once that don't really all work together. It's trying to do that part where the tough customers are kind of lamenting. And I get this from the cold open. It's kind of like time is passing them by. You know, the kids don't care about them or the playground anymore. And then there's this bit with the, the, the circus, which is just kind of like a weird non sequitur. And then, you know, the conclusion is get off that phone, get back on the playground, which are kind of, I think, could have been three completely different episodes. Like, it's weird. Look at it from the Arthur kids perspective. They stopped getting bullied and then they were hanging out looking at Muffy's cool new phone. The conclusion of this episode doesn't, like, work out better for them. Like, I guess it's, like, because they kind of missed the tough customers in a weird way. But I feel like the message about the phone would have worked better if it was, like, oh, the kids are missing out on, like, real-life stuff that, that's worth putting your phone down for, but they're too busy with the head in the phone. That would have made more sense than them missing out on bullying. Um, and then I think the tough customers element would have been a lot more interesting if it was them coming to terms with, you can't be a bully forever. And the kids kind of age out of being intimidated for them. And then I think the circus section could have just been a whole other episode entirely just with like circus gimmicks. So this episode is again, all of the individual bits are funny kind of in a vacuum. Like I liked seeing the tough customers work at the circus. I liked seeing everybody kind of being nonchalant and and not paying attention to them. I, I liked some of the app-based humor. But altogether, it, it feels confused. That being said, um, some episodes we say that about are also just like not entertaining to watch uh, or are unsatisfying. I think this episode's still pretty entertaining to watch, pretty funny. Season... season uh, 14 thus far. 13? 14? 14. 14. 14. See, the 13 was the forgettable one. Season 14 uh, thus far has been really consistent in terms of just like whether the episode completely hits it out of the park or not, it's just at the baseline entertaining and will, like you said, have memorable moments that stick in my head more. Um, But yeah, this episode's kind of just weird. And not weird in like a fun oh, look at this crazy talking shoe way. Weird in a like, I don't understand what you're really saying kind of way ladies and gentlemen we're back mike has returned <laughs> yeah holy crap you got you guys won't hear this in the final edit but mike is all over this recording and i think i think it's time for us to just get out of here before anything else happens holy ugh, this is my first day back to work after vacation nothing seems to be going right i'm so tired <laughs> But I am. But I'll tell you this. I was looking forward to recording all day. And really, this has been a great stroke of luck that we didn't lose this recording. Knock on wood. And I'm happy to be back to it. I certainly missed doing this when we don't do it, even though it was nice to have a week off. You know, when we when we get back to it, I'm just like, oh, man, I really did miss having this. So, Lucas, uh, it's good. It's good to hear from you again. Now, let's just go over quickly coming up on 
for the kids at PBS Kids Podcast next week. Lucas, this was your choice, and you decide to give the people what they want. You got to give the people what they want, as Excalibur would say. And we're going to do Molly of Denali. Yeah, I don't know. It's a classic PBS Kids uh, for the kids where I have no sweet clue. I can infer what Molly of Denali is via context clues, but I've never seen it. No. I don't know what it's about. Mm -mm. Uh, So I'm excited to go in blind. As am I. And that we'll be doing just that on the Patreon next week. And then coming up on Elwood City Limits on the next episode in about two weeks' time. Our next ones are going to be Philosophy and the Great Lint Rush, which I'm to understand one of these has a big guest star that I don't, that Lucas, I don't think you're going to see coming by a mile. Okay. I, I, I'm, I'm going to be really interested in, in everyone's reaction when we get back to Arthur once again. So thanks everybody once again. Appreciate your patience as we took uh, an unscheduled week off, but we gotta do that every now and then. We gotta take we gotta take a break. We gotta recharge the batteries, and it was a nice anniversary. We appreciate your concern. We appreciate your support, as always. And uh, we're gonna keep going, keep trucking along from here. And I also have been driving myself crazy as I've been putting up the old episodes on YouTube. One thing I really don't like is at the end of the episode when it takes me forever to end the episode. So I'll just say, for Elwood City Limits, I'm Will Young, and for Lucas Mancini. You're a cruel boy, Binky Burns. (laughs) We'll see you next time.